can some events in your life be so transforming that you can build a business upon it? Or even three businesses? Well, the answer is yes, and my guest today is going to share with you how she did it. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Push it up. All righty then, welcome to another awesome episode of The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. Our guest today is the woman behind the curtain. Yes, the driving force of Blue Lotus Mind Institute. And she's been seen on Forbes, Entrepreneur, NBC, Fox, The CW, CBS. Gosh, I hope I haven't forgotten any of these because these are pretty prestigious lists to, to be seen on. I personally was lucky enough to hear her story on Brian Chamberlain's podcast, a, a podcast I was actually interviewed on last week, and I'll be sharing the details uh, with you all of when that will be aired as soon as I have it. Anyway, um, listening to Tiffany's story kind of clicked with me on so many levels as she took us all through the roller coaster ride of her life across the globe from being a personal trainer at the World Health Club in Canada to the owner and operator of a conditioning and rehabilitation services facility in Australia, then coming back to North America and specifically to the United States and starting not one, not two, but three organizations that I'm aware of. And along the way, she had some huge personal events that uh, most people don't bounce back from so easily. But rather rather than not letting herself be uh, crushed by that, she, she stood up, dusted herself off, and moved on. So rather than me babbling on about all the awesome things that she's done, let's let Tiffany tell her story in her own words. Ladies and gentlemen, a big dark horse welcome to Miss Tiffany Toons. Tiffany? Welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for having me, Tracy. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad to have you here. I really just want to step back from the microphone and let you uh, take over and kind of tell your story. Obviously, I've alluded to some of the things, uh, but I didn't want to take away any of your thunder. So please tell your story of you know where you came from, what you went through to get to what you're doing today. And again, why you love it so much. Absolutely. So my story really starts um, from childhood, from birth. So I was born uh, into a home that was quite toxic. And my mom realized that uh, when I was quite young. And so at three months old, she decided she didn't want me in that environment. And she left my biological dad, who then went on to stalk her and do some other horrible things. She was lucky enough to meet my stepdad. Uh, so if I say dad at any point in time, I'm really talking about my stepdad. Uh, and he was an incredible man. He is an incredible man who took me on to be his own daughter and loved me in a way that most people, unless you had heard my story, you wouldn't know that we weren't blood related. And so my childhood was really interesting in that I really had like two very distinct parts to my childhood. I had the time when I was the, the majority of the time when I was with my mom and my stepdad. And then along came my two half brothers later on uh, that was full of love and full of, you know, just being a family and laughter and, you know, doing what families do. There was obviously some some conflict there, but, you know, it, it was a normal family life. 
And then every second weekend, I was forced to go and spend the weekend with my biological dad. And I never willingly went. We actually had, when you walked in into the house of my childhood home, there was a set of stairs at the front door and a banister. And I used to wrap myself around that banister for dear life. They'd have to peel my arms and my legs off of the banister. And he would carry me kicking and screaming to the car. Mm-hmm. And I remember on, on more than one occasion, my brother's asking like, who is this man taking her? And so I never willingly went. Um, but the courts mandated that I had to go. And so I had to go when I was about three years old, he met my stepmom or the woman who would become my stepmom, who was actually a domestic violence survivor herself. And when they met, she was actually living in a women's shelter. And this was before cell phones or anything like that. So he would pick me up. I'm about three years old, pick me up from my parents' house. We would drive to downtown Calgary where I'm from. And he would send me into this women's shelter to get her because he wasn't allowed to go in. And so one of my first memories of what it was to be a woman was being in this place where women were at the lowest point in their life. And so I came to believe at that time that being a woman was actually a weakness. And I went out of my way to hide every aspect of me that was feminine or represented being a woman or a girl. She ended up moving in with that with him pretty quickly, and that was really when the abuse started. So it started with her locking me in closets and burning me with curling irons. That was my punishment. Uh, anytime one of her children did something wrong, I was the one who, who got all the punishment for it. Um, and then it escalated to after years of telling me that strangers hated blonde-haired, blue-eyed girls, which I am that and would kill them if they saw them that uh, I was playing in the backyard one day with my cousin not being particularly rambunctious but the spotlight naturally fell on me and so she picked me up put me in the car I was about seven years old drove me to the outskirts of town and told me to get out she was just she was sick of me she was going to leave me on the side of the road for a stranger to do whatever they wanted to with and so at seven years old I begged for my life Shortly after that, they moved to the other side of Canada. So I had all of this resentment and abandonment stuff because my biological dad not there to protect me from her. And I didn't realize at the time that she was just smart enough to do it when he wasn't around. Not only did he not protect me from her, but then I felt like he chose her over me. And slowly the weekly phone calls dwindled down to monthly and then to birthday and Christmas and my birthday's on New Year's Eve. So I'd get like two calls within the same month. And then I wouldn't hear from them again for another you know, year. And then it dwindled down to nothing at all. So I actually haven't seen him since the summer before I went into grade four. And periodically throughout my life, he would attempt to come back. Uh, when I wrote him a letter asking him to sign the paperwork to allow my stepdad to fully adopt me, I got a phone call with this like, woe is me, poor me. I wish I could be there to watch you grow up, talk. Um, guilty me into not asking that question anymore. Uh, he, you know, called me on my 21st birthday and and then sent me a Facebook friend request on my 28th or around 28. And uh, that, that was kind of it. But I didn't want to be this girl who had daddy issues. So I just shoved it way down and decided to focus on the amazing dad that I did have. 
but I was terrified of the same thing happening with him. And so I became this overachieving perfectionist people pleaser, which is like the worst combination of personality traits that you can have. It's very hard to get (laughs) done. Um, And so I I felt like if I could just be better at everything, then he would have no choice but to love me. Now, he came from a family where um, his mom, his mom committed suicide when I was quite young and had been quite codependent. And he did not want me to grow up to be like that. So he would brag about me to everybody else. But I very rarely heard him tell me that he loved me and was proud of me mm-hmm. until my late 20s, early 30s. And that just kind of further added to the resentment and the anger that I had. So I was constantly pushing to become better and better, but just feeling like I wasn't good enough and like nothing I did was good enough. And that manifested in every relationship, friendship, everything. I just, I I was in a place where I just took what I could get and I would settle in every relationship. Fast forward a couple of years, finish college. I need to kind of get away from the small country town that I grew up in, get away from my family, figure out who I really am. So I head to Australia, a plan to backpack for a year turned into staying there, living there for eight years. Um, And during that time I was dating somebody quite seriously. He, we put an offer in on a block of land together. He was telling people that he was saving up for a ring and I randomly one day I hadn't been feeling well. So I took a pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant and he was supposedly on a work trip. And I found out within a couple hours, he was actually with his other girlfriend in another state. My Mm. entire life collapsed around me. I didn't have enough money to travel home to see my family. So for the first time, I kind of had to like be an adult and, and deal with my own breakup. I hadn't told anybody yet that I was pregnant. And in the two weeks that followed the breakup, it came out that he was actually a compulsive liar. And there was even, he had even forged a bank statement showing me that he had saved $50,000. That was completely, that was a complete lie. That's a whole other um, level right there. Oh, yeah. Like the lies that started coming out, just like they were, they made no sense either. Like, why would you lie for the, just the sake of lying? But that just kind of added to the guilt and the shame that I had and the humiliation around what was going on. And after two weeks of not being able to eat or sleep, my body just decided it wasn't time for a baby, I guess. And I miscarried. At that time, I didn't even know that I wanted to be a mom, but the hurt and like the grief that I felt when I had the miscarriage was just next level. It, it literally brought me to my knees and there was a three month period where I just, I didn't know how I would ever stop feeling hurt. And I kind of went into like robot mode. Like I would go to work and I would work, run the business and then I would just come home and I would go sit on the beach with my dog. And that was kind of it. That was my life for a period of time. And I was standing on the corner in downtown Melbourne, so a city of five or six million people. And a Friday afternoon, just had finished a business meeting. And there's all this noise and all these people and they're laughing. And I, it's like all I can do to put one foot in front of the other. And I just, I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. 
And so I decided, I saw a taxi coming and I decided that all I had to do was take one step and all of my pain would go away and I wouldn't have to figure out how to navigate this world anymore. And so mentally I committed, uh, my body had other plans or call it divine intervention, whatever you want, but right. my feet were rooted to the ground. I could not move. And as the cab went past, it took the air out of my lungs with it when I realized like what I had just about done. And I knew in that point that there was all this hurt and all this trauma that had happened to me throughout my life that I'd been sweeping under a carpet, but it wasn't just a tiny pile of dust anymore. It was like this huge mountain that I was trying to cover with like a face cloth. And so that really was the start of my personal healing. I did what people traditionally do, got a therapist, started going to therapy. Um, it didn't really do anything. It just brought it all back up to the surface. And after five or six sessions, my therapist said, there, don't you feel so much better? And I was like, no, like all of this stuff was neatly packed away in the back of my mind. And now it's front and center. Um, but what I did learn in therapy was that I actually had been abused. And so that was a big game changer for me. And a lot of the people that I work with now, they have had trauma, but they have this sense of, well, but I've achieved so much or, well, it wasn't as bad as what's happening to other people. Therefore, I shouldn't complain about it. And so one of my missions is to let people know that trauma has all sorts of forms. It doesn't, it's not somebody laying their hands on you always. It's not, you know, physical or sexual abuse, but the emotional abuse can leave some pretty significant scars. And it's about how the child's mind perceives that trauma and not about how we looking back as adults perceive it. Um, so that ultimately led me down a couple year journey of personal development, which brought me to uh, hypnosis and NLP, which were game changers for me. It allowed me to go back to those times and actually deal with those emotions and let them go in a way that no, no other technique had allowed me. And uh, I fell in love with it so much and with the change that it made in my life that I decided to uh, to get it done. You're now listening to-, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. So, uh, and when you say get it done, you're talking about the NLP. I, I know you became a, a certified trainer and practitioner, and then uh, you've got your master certification, correctly? Yes. So I, um, I uh, was, I, I was so transformed by the journey that I had through NLP and through the matrix therapies and hypnosis mm -hmm. that I decided to pursue becoming a trainer in that. Uh, that was just before I left Australia, actually, so that when I came back to Canada, uh, I had actually lost it all again right before I left Australia, but that's another story. <laughs> um, and so I decided to finalize that certification so that I could come back and share the tools with everybody else. And is that part of uh, your Lotus Mind? Um, I guess let me get this right. The the Blue Lotus Mind Institute that you're sharing that through. Uh, yes, that's that's right. Okay, so and please don't think I'm ever uh, dialing back any of your woes, but 
oh, I, I want to say, oh my God, some of the roller coasters that you've had to experience. I mean, going all the way back through your childhood from uh, being abused to, you know, to the something as simple as uh, uh, the, the, well, you say, you say your stepdad, but you really, you call him your dad, not mm. saying I, I love you. And it may be more because my father was like this too, and I was adopted, so I knew I was loved uh, because they picked me and they brought me in. But it, there was times, and I can't say say it at the same level as you, obviously, where I was looking at my dad, thinking to myself, "Dude, why don't you just say I love you?" I mean, you know, my dad was a six foot three mountain of a man. He was one of those cliche, cliche, cliche sergeants that you would see in the military, and. When I say that, the picture you got, that's probably him. Um, and saying I love you just wasn't those things. Is there something you think in your father, your, your dad, that kept him from saying it? Just how he was. Yeah, it was really that um, he had come from this family of like codependency where, mm -hmm. you know, his, his mom would often call and say, you know, I just need you to tell me that you love me. And so uh, we, we've had conversations now sure. since I've gone through my healing journey where he's said, you know, I didn't want you to be emotionally weak and I didn't want you to need that yeah. from somebody. Right. And so, you know, I, I probably should have told you more than what I did. And at the time, that's kind of where he was coming from. So, so looking back now and having had open communication about it, I understand mm -hmm. what his intentions were. It may not have been what I needed, but I understand what his intentions were. And um, I can see that, you know, I just went straight to a place of anger. Right. You know, what, what people don't often realize is that there is no one reality there. We all see the world around us through our filters and Absolutely. our filters are created from our belief system. So the belief system that I had at the time was that I wasn't good enough. And so when I would do something, when I would get 98% on a test and then he would, uh, you know, I'd come home and show him and his joke was where's the other 2%. <laughs> yeah. He didn't realize the impact that that was having on me because he didn't know that my filter was I'm not good enough. And he yeah. didn't know that I was seeking validation. And not so validation. one of the things that I'm so passionate about helping people, specifically parents about is that opening and understanding how to have that effective communication so that you know, I'm, I'm not actually a believer in the golden rule. It's not treat others how we want to be treated. It's treat others how they want to be treated. We all have different learning styles and different love languages, and that's how we have to show up for those people. Amen. I think I've heard that called the platinum rule in um, mm -hmm. in the past where it's like you treat others the way they, they want to be treated. And I think it comes back to, uh, and I think you allude to this, is our filters and our our lenses that we see the world through and our rules for success or love or passion or feeling any of those emotions are run through all of our past experiences, our past beliefs. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So we basically, between the ages of zero and seven, we have all these belief systems that are created, uh, some good, some not so good. And everything that we experience for the rest of our life is run through the filters of those beliefs. So we basically, you know, for up until I was 28, I had this belief system of I'm not good enough. And I ran every friendship and every interaction with people through that belief system of I'm not good enough to further validate it. 
And every time we validate it, the roots of that belief system grow thicker and stronger. Absolutely. I was, uh, I was lucky enough to learn a, a bit of that way back when as well. So I, I feel where you're coming from on that one. Um, where was I going? Oh, the other thing that kind of struck out with me is uh, you mentioned the differences between a child's point of view. So how you believed in something as a child and now as, a, as an adult, you can look at it and say, all right, well, now I understand why this or why that. But I think one of the key things so many of us as adults need to remember is if we have a child or we're interacting with a child or, you know, or thinking about having a child that there's a different mindset that goes with that. Uh, can you expand on a little bit? Um, yeah. So as we, I mean, as I said before, 95% of our belief systems are created between that age of zero to seven. We, we really don't understand the world at that time. So then we, we grow up to develop these belief systems. We have communications or conversations with people that help us see why they have may, may have acted in a certain way. Um, and at the same time, so what I see people often doing is they'll look at past events with their now adult understanding of the world and say, well, that wasn't such a big deal. Or, you know, I, you know, I can look back on my stepmom who abused me and say, well, she was hurting, but that having that and justify it, right? Yeah. And it's easy to justify and say, you know, she was hurting, she was broken. You know, I was a threat to her getting affection from my biological dad because he doted on me on the weekends Mm -hmm. that I was there. Sure. And and so just because we can justify it from our adult mind doesn't make the trauma that the child mind experienced go away. And so within the work that I do with the hypnosis and the NLP is we actually do inner child work to allow because part of our psyche actually gets stuck at that child age. So it's actually really interesting that if you let's say the first time you felt angry, your mom took you to Toys R Us wouldn't buy you the toy that you wanted. The two-year-old doesn't have the understanding to deal with that emotion. And so it imprints that emotion into the body in what we call a gestalt. And every time you feel how that two-year-old felt, you add another link in the chain to that gestalt, which is kind of like adding more stuff to the bucket. Mm -hmm. So until we go, we, we can't actually deal with, if you think of it like a clogged pipe, we have to deal with the part of the clog that's at the bottom that's mm-hmm. stopping like the water flow, right? So until we actually go back and we deal with the emotions that the two-year-old felt, that we won't be able to unclog that, that pipe. And so uh, road rage is actually not how an adult responds to sitting in traffic too long. It's the two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum for not getting what they wanted. So oftentimes what we see is we see grown adults who they haven't dealt with the stuff from their past So when they're in a high stress situation or, you know, a year like this year where coronavirus is happening and it's throwing all sorts of curveballs, people revert back to the age that they were when those feelings that they're feeling were first created. I had a client that I was working with not long ago who just, you know, she was working with both myself and my husband on some business coaching. And she was like, I just, I can't see all these options for 
for my business like you guys see them. Like you guys see that I have so many options and I just, I don't see those opportunities. And so what we did was we did a session together where I think she was about five years old. She got home from school early and her parents weren't home. So her house was locked up and they went to one neighbor's house and asked to come in and the neighbor said no. So mm-hmm. instead of going to any of the other neighbors' houses, her and her brother just sat on the front porch until her parents got home, but it was actually quite cold out. And so every time she was looking to grow her business, she was reverting back to that five-year-old mind where the options were so few. Right. And, and actually so, she was yeah, turned this, away. Yeah. And so this work that that we do allows that part of the mind to grow up so that you don't have to continue reverting back to a child mind to deal with adult situations. It gives a whole new spin to stop acting like a child, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, but it also makes like, I, I was working with a, a, men, a mentor of mine the other day. He actually asked me to help teach him some NLP and we were going through it and he was like, you know, we were talking about the psychological stages of growth, child, teen, young adult, and adult. And he said, I know a lot of like adults who have never left like child or teen. And I said, and that's where we're starting to see some challenges in society is that for generations, we've been taught not to deal with our stuff and instead to suppress it and push it down. So now we have child and adult minds in adult bodies attempting to parent other like childs and teens. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. So you almost have like two two child minds engaging each other. Only one of them has grown and has years of experience. The other one is actually a real child. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I'm 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 a little I'm a little uh, taken aback by the whole stop acting like a child thing and and thinking about all the adults and myself included because I can remember quite a few times, probably well into my thirties, when it was like, dude why is the traffic going so slow? I was, uh, and I lived in Atlanta at the time and uh, traffic going, I, I traveled 32 miles from my house, door to door from my house to uh, the Coca-Cola headquarters. And there were times where I was like beating on the steering wheel and it was, I was, I was being a kid. I, I totally didn't get it. And then uh, probably a few years later, after I came off the other side of some things, I was like, I, I was cruising along like, hey, it's no big deal. And I'm not saying I grew out of it, but I certainly probably went from that child stage to the next uh, step in my evolution, uh, and I'm st- I'm still growing as a result. So I I look at this and I can hear some of the passions and obviously the the uh, experiences you've gained. It looks like you've taken a number of your experiences and passions and have been able to mold them into um, a business or actually I, I saw multiple business. You've got obviously uh, the Blue Lotus and then you have another elite coaching uh, company I saw and there was one other and I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, that you were a co-creator in. So you want to share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I really, I came to recognize that my, my superpower and my, my purpose in life is to help other people navigate the curveballs that, that life is going to throw at them. And you know, I had a client call me about a year ago and said, how do I stop all the ebbs and flows of life. And I said, uh, 
you can't, but what we can learn is to manage our emotions by kind of emptying the bucket, so to speak. Once we empty the trash can of all the emotions that we've been holding on to for our life, life becomes infinitely easier to navigate through all those uh, distractions and, you know, coronavirus and everything else that may pop up in life. So uh, in doing that, I, I launched the Blue Lotus Mind Institute. Um, and in the two years that it's been running in this form, two and a half years, we've worked with well over 500 people one-on-one and we've done a whole bunch of uh, speaking. I've written a book, have my podcast um, and done some group programs all over the place. Then um, I had some corporate entities approach me asking to help them train their teams and to help them develop a high performance mindset, to uh, develop leaders, to become more effective communicators and to understand emotional intelligence in the workplace. So that's where elite performance consulting came in, is that that allows me to work with the corporates and the executives um, it's really, I do all the same things. It's just my website looks different because it's different language. It's more corporatized language. Uh, and then when I met my now husband, I came, he was in digital marketing and I came to understand that I just, I understood how to market a business and how to sell a product organically on social media without really ever having studied marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we combined forces there to help other people take what their superpowers and their passions are and gain more influence on social media so that they can, you know, they can develop that celebrity status within their own marketplace and within their own network to generate more leads organically. So we do that through the Better Leads Academy. Whew. Wow. <laughs> So, and, and I think this is a this is a really cool lesson for anybody that's out there uh, struggling, either just to start, or like, like I like to say in the uh, in in the kit in the start office, anybody that's starting restarting your kickstarting is that you've gone from Blue Lotus um, Mind Institute, and then you spun that off, and basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, anywhere in here, please. Um, spun that off into the elite performance consulting, which is the same thing, but because you're targeting a different audience, you actually built a new website with all the language for those corporates and those executive teams that you're targeting, correct? Sorry, you just cut out there for a second. Can oh, I'm sorry. That? Yeah, I, I was saying you, you literally just created the new website and repurpose the same stuff that you're doing for Blue Lotus Mind Institute and just modify the language targeting the, the corporate and the executive level uh, folks. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, when I first had, so I've, I've worked with some fairly major brands like Delta Airlines and Oakley. And so they would see me speak in at various events and in various places and they would reach out and contact me. And when they were then presenting what I do to their team who, you know, it's the corporate, it's corporate America, there's red tape and whatnot. Sure. We just had to, you know, I, I could talk less about self-sabotage and less about trauma and healing and more so about emotional intelligence because that that's the level that they, that they look at. And wow. so I literally teach the exact same concepts we talk about the same things, but it's, you know, to get to get in there and to be seen as credible, then we just had to 
change up the language. No, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. And I think one of the one of the lessons I'm going to take away from from that particular piece of it is um, if I want to take the same content that I have, I can literally alter it to the new target audience I'm I'm focused on and just repurpose the same stuff you know maybe it's a little language uh changing it's a little uh, you know vi visual uh imagery changing in all nine yards for uh, a new audience but i'm really not i'm not rebuilding the wheel i'm just kind of polishing it up to make it pretty towards this new target audience i'm going after does that make sense yeah absolutely that's exactly what i've done and I think uh, a lot of folks uh, that I've I've spoke to at times, they're like, oh, gosh, I got this thing going now. It's doing okay. I want to start their new venture. And you're like, well, dude, if that one's doing okay, why don't you take that same thing and retarget it? Because if you're going after, and I'm just going to throw something an example, hey, you're you're targeting Dennis. If, if that same structure and content would work for, I don't know, chiropractors, um, now you just got to use the language that chiropractors use versus the dentists would use. And now you've got um, something that you, it's already proven ready to rock and roll rather than rebuilding the new wheel. Does that make sense? Yeah. that And that, that's a lot what we teach in the Better Leads Academy is that you have to talk specifically to the market that you're talking to. So if I'm talking to women, there is certain language that I use that may be different to how I talk to men. Or if I'm talking to, you know, a millennial or a Gen X, then I can use maybe more relaxed language where if I'm talking to somebody who's a little bit older than me, then I have to be a little bit more formal in my approach. And so it's really about understanding who your target audience is so well that you know what they're thinking and you can talk to those thoughts. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things we keep hearing folks uh, echo uh, any number of, I don't know, classes or conferences you go to is to niche down so that you can, if you don't already know, if you don't come from that specific niche, you can learn that language and, you know, repeat it back to them. And, um, and as you work on that specific niche, you learn that language and then bounce it back to them and build all of your business around it. And then you can alter and go to the next, right? Yes, ah. definitely. Language. All right. Let's see. So, all right. Uh, uh, so many uh, gems have come out of this, but here's, I, I just want to ask a, a random question for you, right? Something just, I, I think is kind of fun. Um, if uh, let's say your office had a show and tell for adults, what would you proudly display? Can I say my dog? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We always get the coolest my, answers from random questions. My, uh, my dog is definitely, you know, he, I mean, he greets most people at the door anyways, but uh, he's very much a lover. And he, I swear he knows when people are, are going through a challenge. If I'm uh, working with a client and they're getting emotional on, on the phone or on the on the Zoom call, he's generally like right under the desk or like trying to get on the laptop to comfort them. Um, and then when, when we run programs at the house, he's always uh, right there to uh, to comfort people as well. So I, I totally get that. I've got uh, two dogs here and they definitely, if you're not feeling well emotionally or physically, they're, they're there to try to 
either find out what's going on or just help you feel better in, in the process. No, I totally get that one. My dog, I, I like that. That works for me. All right. So I know you have a podcast. You want to share a little bit about, I believe it's called Take the Leap. It is. Yes. So my podcast is all about helping people optimize their mind so that they can step into their power, purpose, and potential. So I do two episodes a week. One is an interview with somebody who has had some form of success and to share their lessons and to share a negative wisdom that entrepreneurs can apply to their business or their life. And then one is a solo episode where I talk about mindset principles or, um, you know, leadership traits and things that people can can adapt to their life and to their business, so that they can um, so that they can step into their power, purpose, and potential. Nice, nice, and we'll definitely be sure to uh, put a link to take the leap podcast in the the show notes here. Um, and now I know you wanted to, you had an offer you wanted to share with the uh, the Dark Horse crew. Yes, so I have a ten day mini course that will give, there's basically 10 mini exercises to help you really start to break the chains of the limiting beliefs that you have and start to reframe them. Um, so there are some, some things that you've heard about before, but I frame them in a different way to help you get more success from them. And then there are things that people have never heard about before that are super powerful and just as I said, start to pull out those weeds of the limiting beliefs that have kept people stuck previously. So they can get that at limitlessplaybook.com. Limitlessplaybook.com. Uh, again, we'll also get that link into the show notes. So if you're uh, driving right now and uh, can't check it out, you can certainly go into the show notes and click on that and go check that out. Um, one tip you would share, being that I will call you a serial entrepreneur, one tip that you would share with any of our dark horses that are uh, starting, restarting, or kickstarting their business. Yeah. So I would say my best tip would be to understand what the legacy is that you want to leave behind in this world and to make all decisions, whether it's which businesses you get involved in and which not to, or you know how to set up your business, how to grow your business, base it on whether or not it moves you towards that legacy or not. I think as entrepreneurs, we can often get a little bit of shiny object syndrome and get <laughs> caught up in the excitement of a new business. Uh, I know I've personally been there and when it's not in alignment with your truest self, then it can very quickly burn you out. So I would say, and I mean, even with clients, like if there's certain clients that come to me and I'm like, I know this client is going to be high maintenance. Like, is this in my highest intention to help to work with this person or is it going to take away from, from the other people that I'm working with? Yeah. And I think that, that that's, uh the, to echo that on the backside of that, if if you're actually questioning that, you might not be able to give them everything of who you are, which means they're really not getting everything they need, right? So it's almost like a two-way street. You know, sometimes yeah. saying no is not just best for you. It might be best for them as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All righty. Well, I wanted to thank you so much, Tiffany. We'll be sure to get all these links back to your uh, stuff um, plugged in there. If there's anywhere folks wanted to reach out to, uh, to you, uh, where can they go to? Um, I have a free Facebook group where I do daily mindset trainings for free. Um, so people can check that out at successsecretsgroup.com. Otherwise, if you go to my website, bluelotusminds.com, that'll link to all my social medias and you can get a hold of me there. 
Alrighty. And then we'll be sure to get all of these links into the show notes as I've mentioned. Uh, and, uh, Maybe we'll uh, loop back with you in a, a few months and see what new and exciting adventures you've been going on. Okay, Tiffany? That would be great. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, there you go, my fellow dark horses. And here are the three things I took from today's conversation. Thought number one. Tiffany was able to find her way through her pain, the pain of her childhood abuse that came in multiple forms to the point of even begging for her life. She even broke through the huge instilled barrier of being a woman equals weakness. Not true, but she still had to break through with it. Coupled with that, the issues she mentioned of resentment and abandonment. See, as a result, she became this overachieving people pleaser, and as she called it, the combination of two of the worst uh, tra character traits. All of these factors negatively dominated her life to the point where she even considered ending it all. Now, over time, she learned to stop settling, to face her past and her issues head on to the point that she built the business on this passion of helping others to do the same. What issues have you stood up to and that you're passionate about that you could help others face? On the flip side, what issues might be holding you back that you need to face? And remember, getting help like Tiffany did could help speed up the process and completely change your life at an accelerated rate. You see, so many of us dark horse entrepreneurs, we have this, I can go it alone attitude, which, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. So always remember that mentors can help you go it alone a whole lot better and a whole lot faster than going it alone in a vacuum and you still have to do the work right you're still doing it on your own but they can help guide you along a far less bumpy path and you won't feel so all alone thought number two remember the platinum rule yep in life in relationships and in business it's not about treating them as you want to be treated it's treating them the way they want to be treated and to do that you're gonna to have to get to know them a bit and learn a bit about how they like to be treated right because just because what makes you feel special might not be the same thing that makes them feel special so you're gonna to have to take the time to learn let's call it their love language and then speak it to them right from here you'll find a whole new level of connection with yourself your friends and family, and yep, even your customers and clients. Thought number three, you can take your business product, products, or content and repurpose the core of it or just sections of it or the whole thing to a whole new niche. Tiffany, for example, was able to take her Blue Lotus Mind content that she shares in her book and her podcast across 500 clients directly in speaking engagements and in group uh, coaching projects. She takes that same uh, Blue Lotus Mind content and she was able to niche it down and retarget it to a whole nother niche, in her case, corporate America. Now, this she turned into an entirely separate entity so she could focus on the branding and the language and the messaging to that niche of people because they might not resonate with her other brand. And as a yet another spinoff she, she discussed briefly is her she took her learnings about how she learned to market her business, her content, and her product, and her expertise, and that spun off into a whole nother business. So here's the question I have. What content, 
product or expertise do you currently have that you could easily repurpose to another niche? And here's a quick extra bonus note. Uh, I have to give uh, Tiffany uh, bonus points for saying that her dog would be the thing she would proudly show off in her show and tell. Uh, and that she even has her dogs there to meet and greet her business. They're an active part of their environment. Uh, big bonus points for you, Tiffany, for that. I'm a big uh, animal lover myself. So, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow dark horses, what did you gain from today's episode? Whatever you learned, take a moment and put it into action. I know you'll get results. And guess what? I want to hear about those results. Email me at tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Tell me what you learned. Tell me how you put it into action. And of course, tell me what results you got. From those emails I get, I'm going to be picking random ones and reading them on future episodes. And if I read yours, there's going to be a prize pack involved. More about that in future episodes. Speaking of future episodes, my fellow Dark Horse entrepreneurs, this episode's in the can. But next episode, we're going to be talking to John Tellerico, where he's going to be sharing the power of connecting to yourself, to your message, and to your market. Until then, think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.